Father, thank you for your word. That where we might be instructed, encouraged, challenged, built up, where we might learn more of you and your son, encourage and equip us in all areas of life to live kingdom first every day of every week of every year for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen. Please be seated. Not too long after I became a Christian in high school, I was with a friend, and we had gone over to another friend's house. And we'd gone over to go swimming. But when we got there, he wasn't home. At that point, uh, we didn't have cell phones. There was no real way to just say, hey, where are you? So we hung out, thought at some point he should show up. After about 10 minutes or so, we began to wonder if he forgot about us, just kind of waiting. And I did something that I don't know that I thought too much about this. Um, I, I certainly wasn't, wasn't fully aware what I was doing. Remember, I was a new Christian. I was really excited about my faith. And so I'm sitting there, and we're waiting, and I just started talking to him about Jesus. I don't know what I said. Um, I doubt I had a very good presentation. I had no tracks with me. I, mean, I, I, I don't even know what happened. And, and I remember the end of the conversation, it was kind of like, he was like, oh, okay. Like, oh, I don't know what that did, but I think that's what I was supposed to do. Eventually, my friend did show up. It was about a half an hour late, and we went swimming. What do you do when you're waiting? We wait a lot in our lives. There's a bunch of stuff that we wait for. I had a conversation this morning with a friend. Sometimes our waiting is just a very general, I'm just waiting for the next thing. Or I'm waiting for something to get good in my life. I'm waiting for whenever it's going to be better than it is now. And then there's waiting for very specific things. The question is, how do you wait? What do you do while you're waiting? For four weeks, we're going to talk about waiting. With one goal, how do we wait well? How do we take those times that we all go through and make them into something that is productive instead of wasted? How do we wait well? Open up your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. This morning, we're going to look specifically at Mary. Our first question is, what was Mary waiting for? What was Mary waiting for? Luke chapter 2, verse 15. When the angels went away from, from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem 
and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they were out in the fields, it's middle of the night, angels show up, they announce, and so the shepherds go to find out what it is. Verse 16, and they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. I would make this argument that the first thing that Mary is waiting for is to go home. I want you to think about her trip. She is nine months pregnant, and she just made a multiple-day journey on foot or maybe on the back of a donkey, but she's moving that direction. Ladies, at nine months, would any of you like to walk for a few days? Not only that, when you get to where you're going, there's not a place for you, and so you end up in a cave, most likely. You give birth in a cave, and then you take your baby, and you set your baby in a feeding trough. Now, can you just imagine sitting there thinking, when do we finally get to go home? When do I get to put my baby in a little bed, not where animals eat? When can I get out of this place where within the straw is the dung of animals? Like, when can I go home? I would argue the first thing Mary is waiting for is when can I just go home? Number two. Verse 17. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. That's the shepherds. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. Well, what the shepherds say is something that actually is an addition to what Mary was already told. I think Mary was waiting for something after the announcement throughout the pregnancy. And here's what I think she was waiting for. How is all of this going to work out? I mean, she was told something rather profound. Your child, the son of the Most High, is going to take the throne of David. Could you imagine as a mother or as a father going, wow, how is this going to happen? Like, what's going to take place? I mean, right now, I live in a little tiny village. We're nobodies. My husband's a carpenter. And somehow, this child who's not yet born is going to grow up to take the throne of David? What does that mean? What does that look like? What do I need to do to make that happen? Like, what things do I, what education should I give him? What if I screw this up? I mean, I'm not trained to do this. And now here comes the shepherds, middle of the night, she's in this cave, she wants to go home, she's tired, and they say he's going to save Israel. Right, so it's not enough that he's going to be king, he's also going to be the savior. Could you imagine Mary just going, how in the world is all this going to happen? What do I have to do? When is it going to happen? What's going to happen before it? She is waiting just to go home. Very simple. And she is waiting to find out how all of these amazing things are going to take place. But she's waiting. What are you waiting for today? What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for 
a relationship to mend? Are you waiting for a job to get better or maybe a different job? What are you waiting for? Waiting for a house to sell? Waiting for a phone call? What are you waiting for? Mary's waiting at least for one pretty normal thing that we'd all get. She's in a situation she wouldn't like to be in. Ever been in a situation you wouldn't like to be in? And you're just waiting to get over it? Or she's in a situation where she's got some information about the future, but she has no idea how it's going to work out. What's her role? What's Joseph's role? What's the baby got to do? What's going to happen to our family? And she's waiting to see how it's going to work out. Have you ever had information about your future? You don't have enough to know what it's going to totally look like, but you know a direction you're going, and you're wondering, how is this going to all work out? She's waiting. What are you waiting for? But here's the point of the message. How is she waiting? We all wait, right? I mean, right now, we're probably all waiting for something. But the question is not just, do we wait? We got that. It's how. How do we wait? How is it that we wait? I want to offer two words. Reacting and responding. I would argue in my own life and maybe in yours, I more often react in my times of waiting than respond. What do I mean by that? Do you remember, especially in the late 80s and 90s, do you remember the car alarms? The ones that had like four different sounds? And they would go off when like a bird flew over and did a dropping on it. Had nothing to do with somebody breaking into the car. And like you, there would be that parking lot and they would start going off. And if it was loud enough, it would start another one going off. There was actually a study done in the beginning of 2000 that came out and said, and whether this is accurate or not, it seems like it, that 95% of car alarms that went off had nothing to do with somebody breaking into the car. Is that your experience? I mean, they're just, they seem to always be going off. That's reacting. There's no thought to that. It would go off for a loud sound. It would go off from the touch of a leaf going onto the hood of the car. Not somebody breaking in. It's just a reaction. I think sometimes that's what happens in my waiting. I react. Um, I get angry or I get disappointed or maybe I start trying to distract myself. I just don't want to deal with it. I just want to distract myself. However, there's also a response that can be made where I'm not just letting the thing control me, but I'm actually intentionally doing something in response to the waiting. And just to keep the electronic thing going, while car alarms in the 90s were definitely reactions, I think today on my iPhone, Siri is more of a response. And here's what I mean. I can be driving, and I can go, hey, Siri, text so-and-so. Hey, Siri, play this song. And, and Siri does what I tell it to do, but here's the thing. If my child says, hey, Siri, it does not wake Siri up. 
because Siri knows my voice because when I set it up, I set it up to my voice. It actually responds to my voice only. The rest of you right now, my phone is right there. You can all say, hey, Siri, and it's not, uh, I'm saying it though. She's probably all over there going, hurry up, tell me what to do. But that is, a, that is more of a response because there's a recognition that is taking place. Are you reacting or are you responding in your waiting? Is it controlling you or do you have something intentional that you're doing while you wait? Let me tell you what Mary was doing. Mary was practicing presence. In her waiting, she was present to what was happening. You know what? I feel like at times I'm not present in general, let alone in my waiting. But look at her response. Verse 18. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them, but Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, I just want to give you what I think a couple of regular responses might have been. You just gave birth. I know when my wife just gave birth after four of them, her first thing was not, wake me up in the middle of the night for somebody to come and visit me. And it was, when can I get out of this hospital room? Like, I understand they're trying to take care of me, but I just want to go home. So here's Mary. She's worn out. She's just given birth. She's in a cave. She wants to go home. And some shepherds show up. Knock, knock, knock. Hey, wake up. I mean, I could just see Mary being frustrated. I could see her like, what in the world? Like, get out of here. Or fine, you want to talk? All I can think about is sleep. I need to sleep. And yet she is so present in that moment that the text says she treasures up what they are saying. She ponders it. It, 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 it. She's there enough to take it in, to pay attention to it, to marvel at it. How many times have you been having a conversation with somebody and then you go, wait, what did you just say? It's just a normal conversation. But maybe you're tired. Maybe you got a lot on your mind. But like right in the middle of a conversation, it's not even that important. You're just not paying any attention. Here is Mary in a cave in the middle of the night right after giving birth when some shepherds are talking to her. And she's like, wow, taking it all in, treasuring it. She's present. She's responding, not reacting. What's happening to her and around her is not controlling her. Instead, that moment, she's there in that moment. I read a quote from Jim Elliott. Uh, many of you would know who he is, a missionary who died on the field. And the quote was, everywhere you are, be fully there. Everywhere you are, be fully there. Could we do that? That's what presence is. And so here's my first and main point. I want you to think about your times of waiting, and as you're in them, 
instead of thinking about the ways to distract yourself just to get through the time, or instead of letting that reaction of, I'm just so angry about this, I'm so sad about this, I'm so upset about this, I'm so confused, whatever it may be, to think, I want to be present right here. I want to be present to what is happening. Why? Why practice presence? Three reasons. Number one, God most often works in the everyday. God most often works in the everyday. Not the giant, miraculous fireworks. He'll do that too. But he most often works in the everyday. I want you to think for a minute with me about this story. There are two really giant things in this story. There are angels, and there's a virgin birth. There is nothing ordinary or everyday about those things. However, everything else is common and everyday. Shepherds. Um, The Son of God is being birthed by probably a 13-year-old girl who has no... Like, she's not the daughter of a king or anything else. Just normal. In a normal little village. His dad is just a carpenter. He's not like some great military leader. He's just a carpenter. The birth of the baby is in a cave. Everything about this story is so everyday, so ordinary. Because that is where God most often works is in the ordinary. And if we spend all of our time doing one of two things, either looking for the miraculous all the time or trying to avoid our times of waiting, which make up so much of our lives, we have a good chance of missing the everyday things that God is doing. Being present is important because God so often works in the everyday. Some of you might have seen this. This is the letter that, oh, well, it was the letter, and then it left. Now I've got to open the letter again. This is the letter that George Bush wrote to Bill Clinton when he became president, and you might have seen it, but there were two things about the letter that I found fascinating in light of what we're talking about. I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I do want to read this. Um, While I say that, I kind of do want to read the whole thing. Um, There will be very tough times made even more difficult by the criticism you may not think is fair. I'm not a very good one to give advice, but just don't let the critics discourage you or push you off course. You will be our president when you read this note. Do you imagine that, just that moment? being in that moment and going, like, I, I, of course, he's been elected, it's all happened, but something about the former president, and you're, you're in the Oval Office, and you're reading this, and you go, when you read this note, that present moment, I wish you well, I wish your family well, your success is now our country's success. Do you know how present that is? It's not, I'm just looking for the next Republican to take over. But that a Democrat is now in office, you're still the president at this moment. 
And so you're our country's president. It's very present. But here's the cool thing to me. Here's how the letter started. Dear Bill, here's how the letter ended. Good luck, George. Could you get more everyday names than those? Bill and George. But you know what? That's what they were. They were everyday kids. They grew up just like the rest of us in general. But they were everyday people that got used in miraculous ways because God uses the everyday all the time. And if you're a Bill or a George or a Jane, God uses the everyday all the time. Will we be present enough to see where God is working? Number two. Number one, God so often uses the everyday, so we need to be present to the everyday. Number two, God has put so much beauty in the everyday. Now, I want you to think differently for a moment about this cave. Right, if you go back into the story in chapter two, when they first get there, there's no place for them at the inn. That's how the ESV says it. Right, that word throughout scripture means one of two things. It is either a waiting place in somebody's home, like if you went to somebody who had money and they had like a guest room, it would refer to that, or it refers to a public shelter where multiple people could come and stay. In this case, it most likely is that. So the story looks something like this. They show up, they go to a public shelter, and there's not enough space. So they end up at a cave. Can you see the beauty in that? I just think for a minute. You are getting ready to give birth. Do you really want to do it at a public shelter right in the middle of this group of people here? All the noise, everything happening, or, you know, this thing, you really, oh my goodness, there's no place to stay, so we're going we're gonna to have to stay in this? And yet you walk inside, and the quiet and the privacy to do what has to happen in that moment. There's so much beauty in the everyday, but far too often we are reacting to our circumstances, and so we miss the beauty. You could just see kind of stomping and like, oh, I can't believe it's got to be a dumb cave. But could you imagine also as you were thinking, there is beauty in the everyday. God keeps putting beauty. It's that line from Ecclesiastes. God makes everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in its time. What if you were so present to that moment that you're in the cave, and instead of thinking about reacting to the, we have to stay in this cave, we didn't have a place, nobody would give us a place. They saw this pregnant chick, and somebody didn't go, here's my cot. Instead of all of that, you walk in and you're like, wait, I'm so present that I hear the quiet. Oh, I would not have gotten that quiet because there's beauty in the every day. We need to be present enough to see it. And lastly, third reason why being present is so important. There is 
beauty in the everyday. There is God working in the everyday. And guess what, church? This is the only day we get for sure. And this is it. You're not guaranteed tomorrow or the next day. I mean, honestly, you're not guaranteed this afternoon. But at least we can think, this is the day that the Lord has given to us. Why would we want to waste it by distracting ourselves? Why would we want to waste it by trying to get out of the day that we have? Because this is what we have. We need to use these days to their fullest. I mean, here's the way that I think a lot of especially parents will recognize this. We were told over and over and over again, your kids grow up so fast. I think it's interesting that we see Jesus when he's born. We see him eight days later at his purification. Then the text jumps to when he's 12. And then the text jumps to when he's 30. Any parents who have 30-year-old kids, does that feel like what it, how it happened? It's so quick. And I had this moment. Okay, so I'm thinking a ton about presence right now. I mean, I'm just, I'm thinking about presence so much. Because I'm, when I'm preaching on something, even if I know it's biblically accurate, my hope is to at least have tried it a little bit before I tell all of you you should do it. Last night, I'm going to sidetrack for a moment. I'm going to go back to beauty for a second. Last night, I'm at the corner of 423 and Main. That's an ugly corner. I mean, there's like so much being torn up right now, and there's that station over here, and there's building going on over here, and it's, it's an ugly corner. And I'm sitting at the light, and I'm going, all right, I am telling the church tomorrow that there is beauty in the everyday, that God makes everything beautiful in its time. There is nothing beautiful on this corner. Just kind of looking around. And then this happened. And just hear my thought process. I heard sirens coming from, so I'm, I'm looking, I'm on 423, I'm looking south. Coming north on 423, there's an ambulance. Here's what happened. Everybody moved. Nobody challenged this. Nobody was ticked off. Even people where it wasn't quite affecting them. People turning here. Everybody stopped. And they let this ambulance go by. And here's what I thought. I know why I wasn't going. I just wanted to make sure that thing could get wherever it needed to go. Whether it was going to get somebody or it was carrying somebody. Like, I want that person safe. And I looked around and I thought, is that why everybody else has stopped? Is there a moment right here in the ugliness of this corner where everybody cares enough to make sure this ambulance gets to where it needs to go? There really is beauty all over the place when we're present enough to see it. Now, back to what I was saying. Kids growing up fast, as I'm practicing presence, here's what I was doing the other night. I've got my baby. Uh, he's my three-month-old who is wearing six-month clothing. If you've seen him, he's a chunk, beautiful chunk. And I'm, I'm, I'm holding him. Everybody else is in bed. I think Aaron may be doing something. The other kids are asleep. And I'm sitting there with him, 
I grabbed the remote, and then I stopped. I'm supposed to be practicing presence. Essentially, right now, I'm just, I'm kind of like waiting for him to get tired enough to go to sleep. And so what am I getting ready to do? Distract myself from that waiting. How do I make it go quicker? Isn't that what we want to do? You want your waiting to go faster. Well, if I start watching something, I'll be distracted, and then he'll want to fall asleep. I thought, all right, got to practice this. And so I'm sitting there holding him, and I just start looking at him. And I'm watching his facial features, little cooings and movings that he's doing. We're kind of interacting a little bit. A smile here or there, a kind of little noise. It was amazingly beautiful to be present to him. And then it hit me. I don't remember this with my third child at all. I have no memory of sitting with him like this. He's five years old, but I can't think of a single, and I know I did it, at least I think I did it, I have no memory of it. And I look back over that period of time, you know what we did five years ago? We planted a church. I mean, he was born during Holy Week before we actually even moved to Sunday mornings. We were doing Saturday night Bible studies. He was born during Holy Week. He is essentially the age of the church. We planted a church. Um, Aaron was still practicing, but going through the transition of coming out of medical practice um, at one point, we ended up having to hire a nanny to help out with the house and things. Like, there was so much going on. There was so busy. We were so hurried. And then I started thinking, I have little memories of the entire five years, in a way. Because I, I wasn't trying to be present. I was trying to get through. And, and I don't, by the way, I don't feel guilty about that. I actually was trying to do the best I could. I think my family was trying. I think all of us were trying to do the best we could. But I do have regrets. Like, I don't want that to be my life. I don't want five years to go by and wonder, like, what just happened? I don't ever want to feel like I don't have a memory of sitting with my child when he was two or three or four years old. I'll tell you what, I've been spending a lot of time with my five-year-old over the last few days. We only have today. Be present in the moment. Don't let your mind be like, how do I get to the next moment? Because let me ask if this is true of you. When you get to the next moment, what are you looking for? The next one. You're just going to spend your life looking for the next one. When things are a little easier, when we have a little bit more money, when our kids are a little bit better behaved, probably shouldn't wait for that one. It's just constant. And, and in the meantime, we're just missing each of the moments. There's a line in Psalm 90 that says, teach us to count our days. It's a beautiful line. Teach us to count our days because God uses the everyday ordinary to grow us, to mature us, to love us, to teach us to love others. 
Can we wait by being present? So that is my challenge, my exhortation, my encouragement. As you think about your waiting, is to think about responding to your waiting and being present and practicing it. And not only when you're waiting, but thinking about how you can be present. And you're going to have five devotional readings to kind of spur your mind to think about that. God really does work. Um, I had gone off to college uh, to Stockton, California. Some of my friends back in Bakersfield who were still there, one of them called me one night. And she said, we just had a meeting on the campus. This is the University of Bakersfield, California. Just had a meeting on the campus, a Christian meeting. And people were giving their testimonies. And that kid that I shared Jesus with, he'd become a Christian. And the reason she was calling to tell me is in the midst of that testimony, he said, I had a conversation with a friend of mine while we were waiting for another friend to show up, and he talked to me about Jesus. And it planted something in me. I mean, I didn't convert him, I didn't share the gospel, I just, that little bit, but he remembered it as a turning point in his life where he began to be open to God and ultimately came to Christ. You have no idea how God can use those everyday moments when we are present to him and to those around us. Let's give him that time. Will you pray with me? Gracious Heavenly Father, we wait. Even now, we wait for Jesus to come back. But we wait for so many things in our lives. Lord, help us to be present in our waiting not to let our waiting control us so that all we're doing is reacting, but to respond by being present, by seeing how you work in the everyday, by seeing the beauty that is all around us that you have put in the everyday, and by recognizing this is the day we have. Let us be present to it. We offer all of this up in the name of Jesus. Amen.